When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work. To bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. Auburn had some news this week. Auburn had a pretty big hire in terms of uh, off the field role. Uh, Auburn hired, help me out guys if I get this wrong, Drew Fabianich. Yeah. I'm or, with as, oh, or as Fabianich. Google Translate says, what, what my Fabianich. Fabianic. Fabian. Okay. All right. Both those go. things are probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll try to find out from for you guys and make sure that we have the pronunciation. I'm sure someone in the comment section is going to know and they're going to be like, it's they're this. Gonna they're going to spell it out. They're yeah. going to yeah. spell yeah. it out. It's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Just a little information on the latest hire because I know people have talked about it. And usually with these types of hires, it's not like it's a a coaching hire, so you don't really have a way, but it's his resume sounds incredibly impressive. But just to let you nut guys know about the hire and about this guy, Drew joins AU staff as the general manager and director of scouting and development. Previously, he served as a scout for the Dallas Cowboys for 18 years. Prior to joining the NFL ranks, uh, he actually was a coach. Uh, he served as the defensive coordinator for UT Martin and Louisiana Monroe. Prior to that, he was actually coaching the SEC as a defensive ends coach at the University of Tennessee. And he landed that job as getting after getting his start for about two years as a grad graduate assistant at University of Baylor. So a little bit of information on him. Of course, he's credited with uh, um, amazing acquisitions over the years in terms of players that they've scouted and have gotten at the Dallas Cowboys. But he now comes on to Harson's staff. And for the most part, this has been praised as a pretty impressive hire. But I want to hear from you, gentlemen. Starting with you, Ike, what are your thoughts on this hire? I know you you follow the NFL pretty closely, even though Dallas isn't your team. Yeah, not uh, at all. I actually don't like the Cowboys, so, even a small iota. But yeah. Absolutely. But what are what are your thoughts on this hire and what this means for Auburn? Treat your Boys. Chill Boys underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. 
Chill Boys underwear will help you keep the boys close. Uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. Yeah, uh, I'm glad the Cowboys don't have any him anymore because he was doing a really good job of finding talent for them in the draft over the last few years. If you think about some of the splash draft picks that the Cowboys have had, um, he, a lot of people are crediting him as the architect of finding that talent in the draft. Um, so he definitely has an eye for talent that can make an impact on the NFL level, right? Not just talented people, but people who can make impact at the NFL level. Um, so it, to me, sounds like a good fit. And this it seems as if it's the new trend in college sports, which is to go find uh, NFL player personnel people to come and run your recruiting department. Right. So to figure out how to find pro prospect players, not just uh, find players, you know, in recruitment, but, you know, the transfer portal, of course, is a huge thing right now. Trying Mm -hmm. to figure out who are the guys that can make the impact that are maybe at the, you know, the group of five level or some, but can make the jump up Juco players that can make the jump up from a talent perspective in that way. And then two, making sure that your players understand the things that they need to do to impress NFL scouts, right? Like you want to have a program that despite what some fans would like to say isn't, shouldn't be the focus. uh, Most fans understand these kids come to school to play football because they have NFL aspirations. You want to have a program that can be a farm program that you come here, you have a path to get to the NFL. Um, And I think, you know, hiring ex NFL coaches, you know, I'm talking about the likes of coach Ike Hilliard, or, um, you know, our previous defensive line coach, whose name I won't say because he doesn't coach here anymore. And apparently he's been kicking our butt on the recruiting trail. Um, but hiring uh, f- former NFL coaches uh, in the likes of those and then now hiring a player personnel person uh, person on the staff, I think it gives the signal to recruits they are taking their job as people who are preparing you for the NFL seriously. If you have NFL aspirations, this is a place you can go to get tutelage from people who've done it and understand what it takes uh, uh, from a talent standpoint, from preparation standpoint to get to that next level and what you have as your uh, career aspiration. So I think it's a good hire. Uh, Lawrence asked, and I I just, you know, Mike, you can chime in as well. Uh, Do y'all think he had a Harson connection? Uh, he did. He did get a wide receiver from Boise State. Well, well, Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator down there at the Cowboys, so I right. can imagine that's a former quarterback. I, I imagine he got in the room that way somehow. So yeah. uh, uh, it's good to have a coach with connections. Um, in terms of this hire, though, uh, you know, during his 18 years at the Dallas Cowboys, 11 of their first round picks that he had a, a hand in taking uh, turned into Pro Bowlers. So this is somebody who seemingly has an eye for talent. Why is that important in recruiting? Well, if you followed Auburn football for the last, ever since, you know, Chizik arrived, um, we've gotten a lot of players who we thought were five stars that end up being just a star. So it's not, it's not a given just because you're recruiting a guy. You need a guy with an eye for talent that can say, hey, You see this guy, Roger McCreary, he's like 900th in high school right now, but I think he's going to be a star. 
Mm-hmm. Or you see this guy who's a five-star QB. Everybody's high on him. I'm not. I don't think he's a short thing. We need somebody in the room that can help them evaluate talent at a higher level than we have been in the past. Now, we don't know that that's not already happening because we haven't really seen the fruits of that. It's only been one year. But I can tell you, prior, it was not going well. So you bring in a scout for that reason. You're bringing a scout because you have a guy who not only has an eye for talent, but if you look at the list of credentials that Caesar put up, He's coached it. QB coach, defensive coordinator, wide receiver coach. He's done a lot of different things. I think this is a great move. Uh, to Ike's point, I think it signals to the recruits that we're, we're serious about getting you to the NFL. Now, again, as somebody who was a national scout for the NFL, come draft time, when coaches want to know about players, guess what a hell of a reference that is. Bill Belichick calls down and says, hey, man, Drew, what do you think about this guy? He can offer his honest opinion, and it will be respected because he's been a part of picking so many great guys so far. So I like it. I like it. Yeah, we had a question here by by, by Stark. He's saying, what's this guy's job going to be? Basically, he's going to be Hmm. a GM, general manager for Auburn. And I can put it back up here again for you guys. But he's also going to be director of scouting and development. The first bullet, as you see right here. So he's going to be basically over how we are evaluating talent and actually pursuing talent and the process they have for developing these kids once once they get on on board at Auburn. Right. right. So that's that's, that's pretty much. Well, go, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, that's important. I think it's important because. You're going to go after guys, and it'll, it's important, I think, that we're not just chasing stars. Because do you want to go head-to-head with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart on some five-star quarterback wasting time recruiting the kid that's probably never going to come here? Or do you want him to go out and find the next guy that everybody overlooks, but he's a star? And they need to pump money. Listen, covering you can't, one guy can't cover the country. So he's going to have a staff that works under him, you know, in recruiting and they go out and they scout kids and they tell the coaches where to focus their energy. Hey, we got a guy. Let's put him on our board. Our scouting department has identified this guy as a great prospect and getting to them early is going to be key into bolstering recruiting. Now, everyone's complaining about where we're at in recruiting right now. And the truth is, because this is year two, a lot of the teams that we're losing out to established relationships with this year's recruits before Harson got to Auburn. Right. Saban is offering eighth graders sometimes. So if you're coming in on their junior year, you're already behind the eight ball. And I think, I think this, is, this is why patience is important with this staff when it comes to recruiting and development. It just takes time. It takes time. You cannot develop a relationship overnight. Getting mad at our coaches because they can't flip a kid that has two more years Dealing with another coach over Auburn? Or, or, or saying that, you know, it's NIL's fault if we're not putting out the right kind of money. Yeah. Like there, there, there are so many factors that into the recruiting situation, and that's why it's, it's more about being patient and understanding. Listen, we've already talked about the situation with um, uh, Emeka Ekbuka, right? We just didn't get in on him early Early enough. enough. It wasn't yeah, right. that we didn't offer him. It wasn't that right. we didn't make an effort. It was just like, 
y'all weren't recruiting me when nobody was looking at me. Why do I like that's the reason why we have the quarterback that we have right now that came in in the last class. Mm-hmm. We got him. Be- we we started recruiting him before everybody started liking him. Right. Right. And he stuck with us. Yeah. Now, now think about this. Jabari Smith gave an interview to Taylor Rooks. Did anybody else see this? And he he was talking about um, he grew up idolizing Kentucky and Kentucky basketball. And they came in and tried to recruit him on the back end. And he was like, no, like, I don't want somebody who just saw my name on a list and saw some stars and decided that they want me on their team. I'm going to go with the guy who the the, the team, the, the, the coach that showed me that he wanted me. Because he got in there early and they treated me like a priority and they didn't treat me like a number. In football, it's, it's, it, that, those relationships have to start early. And, I'm, and that's not an excuse for not being. I'm just saying it takes time to build a solid recruiting base. And part of that is evaluating the guys that you want to go after earlier in the process. You have to have an eye for talent. Yeah. You have to have an eye for talent. God, like it's no different from who's got talent or American Idol and a bunch of people get up there and they, they see a guy or a, a, a girl sing and someone says, you're not good enough. And how many times do we hear the stories of people who say, okay, you don't think so, but hold my beer. Yeah, Lauren Hill got booed off at the Apollo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, come on, man. It, it's, yeah, I know that's kind of maybe a weird you know, parallel, but not everybody has an eye for talent. It matters in sports. It matters in other industries. And, and, and it, man, if you fo- I don't know how you could not have followed college Auburn football over the last 10 years and understand that we – have not really had a great eye for talent. Well, and also, too, uh, something to add to that, Mike, because we talk about this with every commitment that we get. It's a certain type of mentality these kids have as well, mm-hmm. in addition to their talent that Harson is bringing on as well, which tells right. me if you don't have, if you're not of the of the mold of the culture that Harson is building, even though you may be a talented kid, Harson's probably not going to put the full court press on a kid as someone who understands the culture and what Hartson is trying to do. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. I can only speak for how I would do it. Let me not. I don't know a lot of people who would just abandon their culture for the sake of bringing in talent at the risk of it tearing their program apart. Like, I just don't know that that's a smart situation to do. And there are coaches around the country who will do that. I'd argue those coaches don't have a ton of success, though. Right. Almost every coach that you see that is successful has a culture standard that they've implemented at their program, and the kids are either on board with it or they're not at that program anymore. Listen, it's just it just is what it is, right? Right. Like, and now again, and we've said this over and over again, winning is what will will cure a lot of people's minds about that sort of thing. So if he wins football games, people are like, "Oh, okay, he's doing it right." 
but you've got to give him an opportunity to get wins, don't you? Like he he can't coach just one season and then you determine, oh, that way doesn't work. That's not right. how it that's not how it works for anybody. Right. It's gonna take a couple of years for him to implement that system. Now, the turnover of that system can be a lot more quick because of how the transfer portal works now, right? Like it doesn't take two or three years to flush the system out, but what it does take is time to replace talent that leaves. So you're gonna, right. you can have an exodus of talent really easily. How do you replenish that talent, and how do you go out there and find other people to buy in to a system that hasn't been proven to work yet on this level? That's the difficult job because not everybody wants to walk into one of the most difficult um, schedules in college football as a player even and, and you know risk their opportunity to be on a winning football team and put up a right. bunch, a bunch of you know numbers that look good to scouts to say, well, we did it the right way at Auburn. That's a hard sell to somebody in the transfer portal, even, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not an easy sell to say, come play the toughest schedule you will ever play in your life in college football right here, and you might have to take a a, a diminished role because you were the guy on a high powered offense. But yeah, come catch uh. 30 balls a game a, a season for for Auburn. That doesn't look attractive, especially when you haven't proven that you've got a quarterback who can deliver the ball to you consistently, right? right. There's a lot of things that are working against Brian Harson right now that he's working to to change and uh, listen, we've talked to enough players during this offseason to know they think that it's working. The right. players believe it's working. Yeah. Now, yeah, the evidence, we haven't seen it on the field yet, but the players are bought in and they feel like they have something special in that building. Um, and so the more I hear them talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, you know what? If you're feeling that good, especially the players who aren't new there, right? Like if you've been there previous seasons and you're telling me something special is happening this year, I have to believe you because you know what it was like the seasons before when you didn't feel it. Right. But you felt it this year. So I have to believe some some might be different brewing down there on the plains right now. Like I had somebody ask me yesterday, so if Harson goes five and seven, you think he should keep his job? And it was kind of a loaded question because I, I I feel like well it depends on how we get there. Do we have a rash of injuries? <laughs> you know right. how do we how how are we getting to five and seven? You know right now as it sits, five and seven would feel like we moved backwards some. Yeah, uh, particularly with how the schedule sets up. Um, but when I said I think seven and five would be an acceptable result because you can still so show improvement, the response was, "So you expect him to do worse than what Gus did?" And I'm like, "No, I expect him to do better than his first year." <laughs> because the step back that most coaches take when they take over from a coach who got fired for performance reasons. Is normal. It's completely normal. So, you know, people point to 2013, and I was like, that was anomalous. It'd right. be, it, it would be, you might have a point if we ever made it back there at least three times in eight years. But we never even came close to that. The closest was 2017, and we got run off the field in the SEC championship game, literally. Now, you can talk about injuries and, and all that stuff. But the bottom line is that happens to everybody. We didn't, we didn't win. Our best team, other than 2013, won the West but couldn't make the playoff. So I just really think, you know, uh, Blackerby and I did schedule predictions. And as we were going down the schedule, I mean, 
thinking about who we beat last year and thinking about the improvement that I'm anticipating, it was hard to pick less than nine games. As we went down the schedule, I was like, do I really feel like we're going to lose to Ole Miss again this year? Did they really get that much better than us? Do I feel like we're going to lose to Mississippi I, State again? Do I feel I like I saw we're somebody lose? on Facebook the other day say that the Penn State game is going to be bad because Penn State got so much better and we got worse. How? And they I lost to Han like, Dotson and Noah Kane went to LSU. I was so confused at that take. I was like, I've, what, I've number one, had, what are you watching on the Penn State boards that make you feel like they got better? Because I just don't I, – I, and again, I'm not saying that Penn State didn't get better. I'm just asking what intel do you have because you clearly watch Penn State football that makes you think that they got better. And again, this all comes back to, in my mind, the quarterback. Anytime I see someone make a take about us and we got worse, comes back to the quarterback position. Exactly. And I, I and again, I can understand defensively if you say, look, our two best defensive players are not on the team. Right. But you can't be looking at what we replaced them with and saying there's going to be a significant drop off off. from a really good defense last year. Right? We weren't a trash defense sans two players. We were a good. We were a really good defense that had two ballers on that defense. Mm -hmm. But again, the only one of those I just don't know what's in the coffers for is that linebacker. But you can't tell me you think our defensive backfield is going to be terrible next year just because. One guy is not on it anymore, and he was really good. Listen, I don't. I am not diminishing the role that McCrary played on our defense last year. I'm not saying he's easy to replace. I'm saying I think we have the talent to be able to make him not as missed because we're going to be playing better up front and we're going to be putting more pressure. So you don't have to have someone who's as locked down. And with another year, listen. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to. Well, we already did the interview. I can tell you. Um, we are, we just talked to to Shedrick Jackson, and he was talking about the speed and how much better he feels like um, somebody like Simpson got in the off season, right? So I just I don't I don't I don't have no bad feelings about the defense, and offensively I do feel like we got better. So I just yeah. don't see this we got worse in the off season stuff that people keep saying. It's, it's based the on optics. What? It's the optics. It's the optics of everything we've been through as a program. And you, you, we lost our coordinators, even though we replaced them with guys already on the staff who have been coordinators of the other stops. The optics of it all, losing your quarterback, losing our coordinators, Auburn obviously took a step back. That, that, to me, that's, that's the optics and the perception of people without taking a close look. Because, of course, you know we, are take, we take a close look at the program. We're talking to people in the program there's more buy-in on this program than what, it was What I last do year. understand is, you know, getting better in a vacuum, right? Like, yes, Auburn's not the only team working in the offseason. So this is right. not me saying we got significantly better than other teams. I think we're a better version than we were last year. And, I, and, and with that in my mind, I don't care what those other teams did. I feel right. like the better version of Auburn versus whoever you tried out there on the – let me put it in perspective like this. That Georgia defense last year, historically good defense, didn't get run off the field by that team last year. So you're telling me historically good defense did not embarrass Auburn last year. They can't get better. Like, did they get better than historically good? So they're either going to be the same or worse at Georgia next year on defense, right? Like, that's... 
if they're going to get better than historically good next year, then Kirby Smart deserves some kind of praise, right? For like being able to put together back-to-back defenses that are historically good. Yeah, right. If you're that good back-to-back seasons, all props to you. So again, there's really nowhere but for Georgia's defense to go but backwards. So if I'm comparing what we did last year to a historically good defense, I have to say we've got a better shot to play offensively against that defense. That's not a cra- that's not crazy. That's not even that's not me making, you know, orange and blue glasses uh, you know, judgments about my team. That's saying there's not much room for them to get better, so they either are staying the same or getting worse, and we didn't get blown off the field by them, so we had to either have crept closer to them or I have to believe that we're worse than we were last year. Yeah. I don't believe we're worse. So, again, I, I don't know, man. I just, I've just i done math really well my entire life, and the stuff <laughs> y'all saying ain't adding up, bro. Yeah, I, I, I think the key is in what you said at the beginning. Um, most of the people who believe that this team has gotten worse – it's rooted in the idea that we are we, there's no way we can be better at quarterback this year. Yeah. Because the line is just about the same. The running backs are the same. Uh, we lost Kobe, but let's be clear about what he produced last year. His production is replaceable. Yeah, that's why I was like, I can't find the levers that you guys are pulling to right. equate to worse. Worse, yeah. I, I, can't, just, I can't I can't get, get it. there. Yeah, who yeah. did we lose Beside Bo and Kobe, that you could reasonably say and you're made not, us worse. And you're not giving us credit for people who did come back. Right. Listen, Bo was a 2,200-yard passer last year. Right? We can replace that production. I was about to say, and in what universe is 2,200 yards from your quarterback Irreplaceable. Amazing. Irreplaceable. Now, mind you, he got it's hurt. Good. So he had to sit out some games. Yeah. yeah but, I'm, I'm, uh, but even take Bo's best season. I don't care what year you stack it up. 2,500 yards. Take his best season, which last year he would have probably broken that, right? Like, no doubt about it. Last year would have been his best statistical season had he played those last three to four games. Absolutely. He'd have put another, so let's just give him another 200 yards per game generously. So another 600 yards would have put him around 2,800 for the season. All right. So let's, including the bowl game, he'd have been a 3,000-yard passer, right? That still, to me, again... We have to remember what's in the QB room. How many yards did Zach Calzada throw for last year? He threw for 2,200 yards, but he also missed two games as well. Two and a half right. games. So, almost equal number of games. How is he worse? How? And he had a much worse offensive line than we I did. Just, like, <laughs> with just as many drops. Explain your yeah. math. Show me your work, please. Whoever is doing these, show me your work. What are, you, what, what are you putting in your equation that I'm missing? Right. How? How did you get there? Mm-hmm. So, so, so to, be, to be clear, last year when we're talking about, because, you know, we started talk with, with old Drew, Drew, Drew Fabe, Drew Fab, Fabuloni, Fabulous, <laughs> right? Um, and we're talking about having an eye for talent, making sure that you can get guys in who have the talent. Now, they went out and they saw something in Zach Calzada. And this year, we're going to see if what they saw is what they thought they saw. (laughs) And you have to be able to pick. So a lot of people are sleeping on Calzada. If he goes out and he passes. So the fifth leading passer in our league last year by yards was Stetson Bennett. 2,862 yards for the 2021 season. Uh, 
In front of him was Hendon Hooker at 2,900, Matt Corral at 3,300, and then we had two 4,000-yard passers in Bryce Young and Will Rogers. Right. So uh, if we were losing Bryce Young or Will Rogers off of our team, you could you could look me right in my face and say, we got, we got worse, worse. quarterback. We got worse. For right. sure. And For I sure. would be like, mm, mm-hmm. you're probably right. Now, the, now the quarterbacks in the, 22, the 25 to 22,000 yard range, we're talking about Connor Basilic, Bo, Zach, um, Ken Seals, and Mike Wright. Guys, that production is replaceable. And if you count the guys right over him, K.J. Jefferson, Emory Jones threw for 2,700 yards, Max Johnson threw for 28. So 28 yards is replacing a Max, a Max Johnson type. You're telling me Zach Calzada or T.J. Finley can't go out there, or even Robbie can't go out there and do that? Right. That's, that's middling. So, so, so we could, at, at, at worst, we're unchanged, at worst in my mind. At the quarterback position, right? Like, you're right. only factoring in that one position. And then if you say that the problem last year was our O-line wasn't any good and our receivers kept dropping, well, by everyone's admission who's talked to any of those people, both of those are, are better this year. Right. right. So— if the quarterback is the same and the people around him got better, the offense inherently is better. better. It's the same offensive line. But, I, but the idea that our line couldn't have improved this offseason is something that I have a lot of trouble with. I have a, I'll have a lot of trouble with, we saw what Calzada did last year, so he's not going to do anything better this year. We saw what our line did last year, so there's no way they could be better this year. People can get better. So but, I, I, but again, those same people were telling me that there was going to be a junior season jump. Correct. That didn't happen, really, by the numbers. So I, that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking if they can identify talent better, if Drew helps them say, hey, should we put our energy into this guy or this guy? And we pick better from the beginning, establish relationships early, get ahead of the game in recruiting, you'll see recruiting turn around. They've got... They've got ground to make up with these guys, man, because they weren't they weren't there. And and I would say this to put a bow on it. I, I think when we hear we see this guy, I think some people really have this expectation that we're just going to be seeing five four star blue chip guys that Auburn is is bringing in because Drew is here. Right. No, I expect them to actually be finding diamonds in the rough. Right. Three stars mm-hmm. who they can develop into five stars because after all, they do more of that at the NFL. Than they do grabbing five star kids, right? So, so I, I really expect them to have a really refined eye for the talent that they're bringing in, and that's something that I'm excited about, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing. Like, I, I expect us to be hitting more on the kids that we're bringing in. And right. someone, and, and and Kenji, just just before we get out of here, Kenji had a comment um, that I wanted to point out. He was saying, "Why is everyone down on recruiting? Like, that's the only thing that matters. How many top?" 10 classes that we have under Gus. In other words, what he's pointing out to is that, yeah, we had impressive classes, but we were missing on a lot of these kids. Right. And so what I'm hoping that happens moving forward is that regardless of where we are, whether it was a top 10, top 15 class, we're not missing on the talent. See, the, right. what hurts us is that regardless of where we land, there are guys who never see the field. I, I, I saw Lawrence mention D'Angelo Benton. Like, that hurt. 
Like, I was excited to see guys like them contribute, but they never panned out. I'm looking forward under this staff to see us getting guys and we actually hit on them. And then that even makes recruits say, hey, I can actually come there and be good. Not just go there and have an opportunity, but I can actually get to the next level. And that's some of the things that I'm looking forward to under this staff.